We are less than one week away from the bash. Check out thebashhoops.com for the updated schedule. Check us out on social media at thebashhoops. And if you haven't already, head on over to teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Sign up for the free trial there and check out the incredible content that Coach Steve Collins has at teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a JV coach, a college coach, a pro coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. Chris de Blasio, I feel like I've won the lottery. We are, we had a drought before. It, it was it was weeks where we were not going to New Jersey, and now within the last couple of episodes, we are going back to New Jersey. The former head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson Florum, Peter Marion. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate being on. Now, that is different than FDU Madison, which is the Division One school. Are you guys the Knights there, too, or not? Is they, they have a different nickname? No, no, no. Madison, uh, FDU Teaneck is the Knights. We were the Devils. Huh. That's interesting. We were the Devils. Yeah, <laughs> just like I said to you, we're a confused college. So, you know, part of the – I guess you could say the same thing about Rutgers. Rutgers, uh, Nork, and Rutgers, uh, it does, they're not the Knights or, uh, you know, the R, you know, they didn't have that same thing. They're just, oh, yeah, I guess they don't. Yeah. Basically the same thing. So we were the Devils, they were the Knights. Uh, yeah, because like I re- yeah, I, matter of fact, we played against them all the time. Greg, Greg Corrin, did you guys have Greg yet? Huh? We have not. I don't know. You know what? My, my aunt went to school, grew up with Greg Horrendous' brother. Okay. Uh, so I got to work my connections in there. I literally can see his campus out my window, though. Well, by the way, I'll, I'll get him on. I'll call him tomorrow. Okay, him yeah. Him and a bunch of people told us to get Bruce Hamburger on from over there. Uh, he'd too. be the best. Bruce, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce is one of my uh, mentors. So. All right, well, we will effort that after the recording. <laughs> What's that? I said we'll effort that after the recording. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. I'll, I'll, I could, I'll take care of I'm, either one of them. Bruce would be great to talk to because he's – He's been through, he's seen it all. So well, you're hired coach. You'll be our new show booker. So you're hired. Congratulations. I, I, well, yeah. Greg, Greg was an assistant at Seton Hall my senior year when coach Blaney took over for PJ. So that's how Greg and I became friends. And we, oh, George Blaney. I would have never gotten that. If you didn't say that, I would have never yeah. remembered who took over for Carlos. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, it's a true. I guess you want to say a true question, but that was, <laughs> Coach Coach B was a great he's a great guy. Uh, he just retired. Matter of fact, he was at Connecticut when they had when um, uh, Calhoun. You know, he was with Calhoun. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. We have talked so much Northeast basketball in the pre-show, and now Brian has no idea what's going on. That's okay, I, <laughs> I love listening. I'm a conversational guy. I'm, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm with you. I just might not know what you're talking about, but I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but coach, why don't you take us through your resume and how uh, your resume through the game of basketball and how you got to where you are today? Well, I um, I I started I, after after high school. I played ball at Bluefield High School. I grew up in Bluefield. Played basketball there. I wanted to play college basketball, uh, 
but then I, you know, my father kind of like persuaded me, maybe this is not what you want to do. And, uh, and I ended up going to Seton Hall University and he said, you want to get be part of the team, you can, uh, if you can become a manager. And I became a manager and it was the best four years experience I ever had. Uh, as a basketball, I mean, I was on, on the, on the bench for two years, right next to Coach Hamburger, Coach Colissimo, Coach Brown, Coach Sullivan, Greg Caranda. I mean, I saw timeouts, been through timeouts, been through end game situations, halftime, how to act, who to push, who not to push. I saw it all and I just had to sit there. So it was kind of like going to class after class, you know, and, um, you know, and I was around a lot of good players. Um, and Coach Coach Calisimo got me involved with USA basketball. You know, I met the dream teams who I worked with them for four or five summers. You know, saw Coach K, Coach Williams, uh, Coach, and uh, every you know, traveled all over the place for this. It was, you know, I went to went to Hawaii, to California, to Alaska, to to uh, Florida. My four years, I, I experienced a lot, so it was well worth it from there. And then. From that point on, I, I decided I thought maybe I'd be uh, I wanted to coach in uh, Roger Kindle uh, was my um, was the head coach at FDU at the time. He hired me as a graduate assistant. And first two years, I, I didn't I never finished, which is I'm an idiot. But my first two years, I graduate assistant and uh, to be education. I thought maybe I should teach and be a high school teacher, high school teacher and high school coach. But then they made me full time in the uh, in, uh, there. Uh, I was full time, and I was assistant coach for another uh, eight years, and then I became head coach. I was there for thirteen years as a head coach. So I was around college basketball for twenty-seven years. I saw it all, seen it all, driven in buses to planes to travel, you know, recruited all over the place. So it was I experienced a bunch and. So I've been a lot of gyms, been uh, been out of, uh, in and out of a lot of gyms. I still hate the state of Pennsylvania because that's <laughs> a lot of old times. So our league was like you know Scranton and Wilkes and Kings and Lycoming, Leval, <laughs> Winder. I hated the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> That'll be our clickbait for the episode when we post it. Coach hates Pennsylvania. We'll get all sorts of people. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, I'll talk to him. I'll explain to him. <laughs> you go there and you you don't get any call, and you know it's, it's just nuts. So they didn't like teams from New Jersey. They didn't like us. Coach, my parents had four kids, and. I think my parents took a tour of just about every college in the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> my mom always said, if you can't find a college for you in Pennsylvania, you can't find a college. She sent three of her kids there. She said, my sister went to East Stroudsburg. I went to York and my brother went to Villanova. There you go. I can understand. <laughs> Pennsylvania, don't, Philadelphia don't count. Philadelphia is like, <laughs> it's like Southern New Jersey. It's not <laughs> Pennsylvania. You know, York is Pennsylvania. York is, York is hardcore. Oh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, I mean, going out to, uh, we play, we used to play Juniata. Like, oh, wow. That's out there, man. That's way out there. That's out there. You're in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> well, ask Coach Big Breed about Pennsylvania. He'll tell you. <laughs> 
Oh, Coach McBreen hates everything. Yes, he does. Yes. I remember him calling me up all the time. How do you how do you play the state? I'm like, <laughs> well, referencing the great Chuck McBreen yes. episode 36 of the Greatest Games podcast, uh, uh, a highly entertaining episode. As I can already tell, this one's going to be a highly entertaining one, as it already has been. But, Coach, I'm I'm super curious. So I, I was a former manager at the University wow. of South Carolina and just loved every minute of it. You, I mean. When, when I heard that they were hiring for student managers, I could not call up at the time it was assistant coach Barkley Ray to ball fast enough and get in there and filling up water bottles at five in the morning for off season workouts. I absolutely loved it. But the one thing that I really regret, and I took notes, but I didn't take enough notes. So I'm just really struck by what you were talking about, that you were there, you were learning, you were in the meeting rooms, you were in practices. So what was it about you that had you just really paying close attention as a student manager and just soaking everything up and really soaking up I, that experience? I don't know. Like what I, I, when I went to college, I wanted to become a lawyer and that, that changed within a half a semester. So, you know, that went out the door. And I just remember sitting watching – how the guys would react and guys would play and guys would compete every day. And I'm like, man, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of cool, man. I, I like this, you know, and, you know, just to push, just the idea of what to say, how to say it, what to, what to do. And I, and, and I, you know what, I don't think I ever took notes, but I was around it so much. Uh, my last junior senior, I was a head manager. I was luck, lucky enough to be that. So, um, I was with those guys every day. It wasn't, I was a part of the team as much as the, the 12th guy on the team. Cause I, I was there every day. I didn't, there wasn't a day I wasn't on. Like I was on it. So um, it was, it was so much fun. Um, and I, I, I probably should have took more notes, but I, I guess I, I just, cause it was just like, you're doing stuff. Like you said, you're doing water and you, you're making sure the, uh, uh, the balls are right. And, making sure guys do what they're supposed to do and make sure they're, they're prepared. So if I make them prepared, help them be prepared, we win more games. And I, in my mind, that's what I, I guess I was saying it that way, but mm-hmm. it was so much fun, you know, and I, and I'm friend, I mean, hell, uh, Adrian Griffin was on the Seton Hall team. It's coaching in, uh, in the NBA. Our tourist Kornitschewicz, I'm still friends with these guys. He's the executive vice president of the Chicago Bulls. Danny Hurley, who I went to college with, is, you know, at the, he's, he's head coach of UConn. Um, then, then, then you got uh, um, uh, Jerry Walker. I think he's going to run Jerry City soon. So, <laughs> you know, it, it just, you know, just the, and, and, and I still could call coach at any time, answer the phone, all those guys. It was so much fun. You know, that, that's, that's where you get, you get the experience of, and then getting the connections to get where you need, where do you need to go? And that's, I could call those guys up at any time. And, you know, I'm not saying ask for a favor, but the, the, you know, they'll take care of seating hall people. It's just fun. That's, that's funny. You talk about that. Cause uh, Brian, I'll, t- I'll tell Brian's story. He's an athletic director, in South Carolina, and he had to hire a new basketball coach and he's got a pretty good program there. And he called coach Eddie Fogler up who we worked for. Sure. And asked Coach Fogler uh, just some advice on how to hire a coach. And Coach Fogler said, well, I'll come sit in on the interviews with you if you want me to. That's awesome. And Brian was like, absolutely, yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yes. I mean Eddie Fogler, you can't. I mean, hell, he, he coached with Dean Smith for I don't know how long. I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> coach Roy Williams for how long. I mean, those guys, 
their experiences are beyond, you know. When you were a manager coach, did you ever, after a really tough loss uh, uh, on the bus, go sit down next to the video coordinator and ask what went wrong? Because I know a manager that did that. Uh, no. no, no. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I guess that was Brian. But uh, yeah, Brian, to me, we got, we, my first year in South Carolina, we got hammered by UNC Charlotte. I mean, hammered. And 10 minutes into the bus ride back to campus, Brian's to tell me, he goes, what do you think went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what was the kid's name? Joby, what, what was his name? Joby Thomas. That's what happened. <laughs> well, I'll give you this. Well, we weren't allowed to talk. Coach Calispo, we weren't allowed to talk. So, <laughs> you know, like if you heard like a, like a, a sneeze, he turned around and started yelling. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I remember, I mean, it was bad. We played, um, how did we play? We played Georgetown. And we were driving back. After the game, we would we would take a plane there, bus back because it was like during. We'd always play them Wednesday night. It was like Big Wednesday. It'd be mm-hmm. on ESPN nine o'clock, and then they would have because the kids have to go to. We have to go to class the next day, so they would have, they want us to get back that night. It'd be three o'clock in the morning. We're getting home. It was, <laughs> but I remember uh, Brian Caver with a smile on his face. He just smiled. Maybe someone made a uh, comment. And PJ said, hey, hey, I can't curse what he said. I can't say exactly what he said. But he said, Brian, want to see something funny? I'll put the game tape in again. We'll all laugh. <laughs> Everyone shut up after that. So <laughs> I, I, don't know how, I don't know how Coach Fogler was after games, but Coach Carlisle after a loss wasn't the, the nicest. Of, uh, nicest. Um, Coach Fogler was uh, – you could – yeah, he was – he was not uh, loquacious, but he was – you could tell he was stern. <laughs> yeah, he, don't mess with him. He just – you can't know – and Coach Wendy was the same way. He, you know, you kind of knew what a tough loss. Don't bother him. Don't, don't ask a stupid question. Just figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Coach, talk about that, that experience that you had seeing all these great coaches and, and maybe something – you talk about being with Coach Carlismo, Coach Blaney, and yeah. – Talk about maybe something that you can think of that you borrowed from one of those coaches that or that you took when you became a head coach. Well, the biggest thing, Coach Kalisma's best thing, best quality about he made everyone accountable. You know, and he, you know, he made sure, like as a manager, he made me accountable to compare it to the to the twelfth guy on the team. He made him accountable. So all the rules were the same. Everything was the the same and. Everyone was responsible for something. And if you didn't do your job, that's a possibility of losing, winning or losing the game. So you made, he made you conscious of, Hey, I got to make sure that I, I get my shots up before practice, right? I get my shots up after practice, right? I got to make sure I'm not going to hurt the team by missing foul shots. And he made guys accountable for everything. And that was, that was the best, best learning experience of, what Coach Kalismo was, but he was the best. He just, he was, he, you sit there and you go, man, I, I don't want to hear him, so I better make sure I'm doing it right. And and, and if I'm doing it right, he, he won't bother you. So I was, probably if you talk to my players, they would always complain to me. You think They thought I was nuts, but I was I was easy compared to some of these other guys. But um, but I, I made, you have, to, you have to be accountable for your job. And if you, like, like I always say, man, if you want to be good, you have to be, you have to practice before and after. 
And our biggest thing is, I know Coach used to say it all the time, don't be a two-hour kid. Two-hour kids show up, they start a practice, and when practice is over, they're the first ones to leave. You know, so you want to be that guy to be in practice an hour before practice or an hour after practice. You get a manager or get a teammate and get some shots up. Because basketball is the easiest thing to do to, to get your game out. You know, you only you could be by yourself. So our thing was, though, don't be a two-hour kid. You know, in the weight room, we used to lift. That was a big part of our team because I at FDU, I never got like, a lot of great athletes. I always get good kids and they would have to work at it. So we would always, you know, make sure that they get in the weight room and had to be stronger because we, we want to make sure that the other team knows that we might not be the most athletic team, but they're going to be in the game. We're going to set two screens and, and get through screens. You have to like, you know, have to play for 40 minutes. So, so th- that was the biggest thing coach Kalisma was. And, and I, and I would see the same thing with all the other coaches I dealt with it. I saw a USA basketball. I mean, don't don't screw this up. It's an opportunity. Make yourself accountable for what your your job is. And I, and I that's the life. That's just not in basketball. That's how I feel. That was the biggest thing I got from it. Yeah, that's the the, the great Rick Duckett just uh, said heard him say over and over again. Just just do your job. Do your job. Yeah. I love sitting in on film sessions with with him and and it, well he he would bring out some good fun sarcasm and all that. But yeah. essentially, it was just just do your job. And and um, I hear that in that answer. That was episode thirty four on the greatest games of this of this show. So uh, a, a lot of great wisdom there. Now, Coach, I, I'm so far I've been highly entertained by listening to you in the pre show chat and then during the, during the recording so far. I I'm I'm seeing in the locker room now. Um, some very entertaining pregame speeches that you probably gave your guy. Oh, yeah, I, was, I, I guess that was all right. Yeah. yeah. So did you have one that maybe was a recurring theme that you were like, yeah, I'm going to go to this one here. Uh, so just kind of a, a go-to pregame speech that you had. Yes, I, I would always try to like, you know, hang, like every coach does, it's us against them, you know, like it's us against the world kind of thing. And no one believes in us. And we're the only guys in the whole place that believes in us. Especially, you know, like I said, I mean, fairly, we, we used to get kids, but we never got, you know, like great players. So we, I'd always have to make sure I coached them up as best I can. And if, if the guys bought into what we were saying, uh, it was fun. And then that was our biggest thing is like, it's us against them. It's us against the world. And I, I hate to say that it, it is like a you get a chip on your shoulder as a player. You start walking with, and you start winning, and it, it starts snowballing, and that, that was our thing, you know. And also, a big thing that I would always say is take one one half at a time, you know. Don't look that that way ahead, you know. And that was another thing, Coach Kalisma was like, "Hey, man, just it's a long, long game. It's a long season. Don't look behind you, especially college. I mean, high school it may be a little shorter, but." College was a marathon, man. It, it was October 15th, and you guys know until, you know, you're hoping you're playing in March. So that's a long time to be with these people every day. And um, you have to have some levity because if, if you're if you're on them too much, you know, you have to know when to yell at them and when not to yell at them. So get on them and, you know, and then put an arm around them, but also to, to kick, them in, kick them in the butt every once in a while too. So that was, that was part of the deal. I like you talking about the chip on the shoulder and, and you can manufacture that. I mean, they were talking about it today 
uh, with Tom Brady, something that I was watching and Michael Jordan did the same thing. You know, this, you know, they create these, these things in their mind, but if you can create that in the kid's mind, it can motivate them, which I love. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where the the last dance had that Michael Jordan, like he he had to do it every day. I mean, he's the greatest player I've ever seen. I mean, (laughs) close. He had to, he had to make games up in his mind of practice. That was, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like people didn't believe in me. You really, Michael? You yeah. averaging 37 a game. I think we believe. Yeah. <laughs> so, Coach, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Game. So why don't you take us into the arena and bring us in? Let us feel the sweat. Let us hear the, the bad whistle you got from the Pennsylvania <laughs> Association referees. <laughs> well, I got, I, got a, I got a couple. I mean, okay. the, one, the one game I kind of like always pops to my mind um, – we were playing Drew, uh, right across the street, and they were not good. They weren't good. Oh, I mean, it's still, it's a, it's a rivalry. The place was always mobbed, and you know, and uh, so it was always a fun atmosphere. Even Division Three, the place was staying remotely, and um, we were, we were, we were good. We were, that year we made the playoffs. Uh, we lost in that's another game. That's we lost in the semifinals. <laughs> Uh, by one so that that's one of those I kind of kind of always remember that one like I said I, I don't rem- I usually don't remember I remember every loss um, but that game we were down let's see if I can do the math right here we were down eight yeah we were down eight with 22 24 seconds to go in the game and what's going through my mind is I'm gonna kill these kids after the game <laughs> because Drew played great, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but we played terrible. We played to the level of their, of them, and that we were. A year later, we played them, same team. They had the same, basically the same team. We we beat them by like 15. So like it wasn't, you know, that was just one of those games where we played really bad. I remember, I was gonna go nuts on them. After the game, I'm I'm I was still I was still in pretty good, uh, but we what we used to do is every coach does we end end game situations we practiced it a lot you know that was part of our routine especially the day before a game we would go over different scenarios of the game you know it's kind of thing so we would all it had a point guard who was a really good player from Raritan New Jersey he would always practice half court shots so uh, so we're now we're down eight. Uh, 22 seconds to go. We got the ball. Uh, kid comes down and he hits a three. So now we're down five. I call a timeout. We bring him in. And now I'm looking at the, the, the clock. I'm looking at the time. I go, hey, guys, let's try this one more time. Let's foul and see what happens. They go down and they make one out of two foul shots. Now they're up six. For some apparent reason, I have no idea why you would have to ask Daryl, who's a good friend of mine from Drew, but he decided to go back into a zone. I have no idea why he should have picked up the ball, but he went back. He was afraid to get, I guess, a foul or something. Went back into his zone. So we we got the ball out. Kid pulls up, top of the key, hits a three. Sound that we're down three. Now we have a game. I call my last time out. Now it's under 10 seconds to go. It's like, you know. Eight, eight, eight or nine seconds to go. So I said, all right, guys, we're going to foul, you know, go, we're going to, we're going to see if this kid can make a foul shot. One thing great about college, this is one thing 
yeah, a bunch of football players on the other side from our 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 stands. They had a couple of kegs, I think. I, I may have bought. I'm not like. <laughs> I remember telling the guys, "Go crazy, have fun." You know, you're college, have fun. So they they're going nuts. They, you have 50 guys just going nuts, and they're going crazy. And now the place is mobbed, and they're they're going. And the place is real loud. And we have no more timeouts left. The kid gets to the foul line. We foul a kid. Kid gets to the foul line. First free throw. He doesn't even get the net. He throws air ball. He barely gets the net. So now it's getting louder. It's, I mean, extremely loud. Um, so now what we're doing, I, we would practice it. We would practice getting the ball out. I would call like no time on the clock or five seconds on the clock, get the ball out, you know, see if we can get a shot off. We, we would practice it. So you can see on film, my point guard turned to the, the one of the guys in the center saying, hey, get the ball to me and I'm going. Like, I'm going to go. And um, kid misses, clanks it, bounces. My, my center gets the ball, flips it out to him. He got to half court one step. Ball went up in the air. You hear the horn go. Swish time. Overtime. Uh, place went nuts. Uh, the football players, I guess, don't understand that concept. The game's not over yet. Well, game was only tied. They charged the court. It was a hundred, like 75, and you smell the beer. It was bad. It was like, and I remember saying, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to team me up. And I, I had three good officials at the time. One of them came over and said, coach, we're just going to get these guys off the floor. Cause I was afraid they're going to tee us up. And cause I know Daryl was looking, Hey, they should be teed up. They charged <laughs> the court, but if it technically the game was over. So it wasn't, I guess I, I'm not going to argue that one. Uh, but then we, uh, in overtime, we end up winning by 12. They, I don't think they scored. So that was one of those games I kind of, I kind of, those games, those guys bring up memories to me all the time. They go, Coach, do you remember that? In that game, I do remember. Did you tell them in the locker room afterwards or the next day that you were about to chew them oh, out? Oh, yeah, that night. That they were getting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I walk in, I go with this. I said, I go, you're lucky. You guys are all, because I would have made your life miserable. I would have made, we used to call them, uh, touch them all, you know, you know, get every line. I would have a clock up, you know, 24 seconds to, you got to get to every, every line. So no, every line was 32. I think up and up and back was 11 and then uh half court, full court was like 20, 21 seconds. So I go, you would have been a lot of 32s, man. It would have been 32s until someone was thrown out. So. Thank God they they won that game. So I was I was pretty happy. That was one game I was pretty happy about. Coach, I came up with one years ago. I call them. I don't even time it. I call them De Blasio suicides, as we call them. Yeah, is when they come back to the baseline. They go free throw line, baseline. Yeah, ten push ups, half court baseline, ten push ups, three quarter like court baseline, ten push ups, full court baseline, ten push ups. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That would have been a good one. Uh, like I said, you don't I, even need to time them. They're so exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> oh, they're done. We would, the only thing I don't know, the high school's a little different, but college, everything's with, with a clock. That's the only thing. Coach Blaney was good with that. I learned last, Coach Calisto wasn't good with a clock. His practice used to last for four hours, but Coach Blaney's was. <laughs> more like time everything was time right and you got through the next drill faster and and i learned how to do that that one i appreciated but everything was time you know and if you didn't get to time you have to keep going 
<laughs> and there was one. I always, I always laugh at this one. I had the the. I would always have like the big guys, the centers. We didn't have centers, but we had six, seven, six, eight kids, and they wouldn't get. They wouldn't get the time. They were always short, you know. And I was just one guy. Just kept on. One kid was always not making it, and he got to half a foul line. You could see it going with the one, and he dove. He dove. He, he he. I mean, like literally dove like this, and he landed, and it was like a he bounced. Like because he was not a small man, he bounced. He was like two two fifty five, six eight two. He like bounced, and one of the players was doing the clock. He was hurt. He started to laugh. Now I, I had to start laughing because it was kind of funny. So I'm like, all right, that's enough. Like now we we that's good enough. That's good. Enough. Brian, who used to do that? I, I'm not gonna call his name out on the air, but <laughs> Brian and I are thinking of a player in South Carolina. Right yeah. when you said that, the, the same guy yeah. came to mind. <laughs> But, and I'm laughing because when I played in high school, I played a very low level of basketball, but I was the same kid that I would turn, hit that last baseline and turn and look at the clock. But, oh, no, there's <laughs> no shot that I'm going to make this one. But the, the the player that he's mentioning that we were the ones that would go over there and wipe up that sweat because there was a considerable amount of sweat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a large fella and he would make a lot of sweat. Yes. We had a, you know, one about being a manager, Coach Coach Calisma got mad at one of the managers one time. Because it must have been a Thursday. We're all going to go out afterwards, you know. And the guy, you know, I think it was Luther wasn't making up. He wasn't making it. And he held on to the clock half a second so he could be he could make the run. And I, PJ turned to me. Uh, he's not. He wasn't. He was kidding, but he was serious. He goes, "Tell Tom if he doesn't get the clock on, he'll go over and punch him in the face." <laughs> And so I, I had to go over and tell uh, Tom. Coach said, stop with the thing. He's, he's going to punch you in the face. He goes, is he serious? I go, no, but he could be. I don't let's, know. let's not find out. Let's no, know. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, funny uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of stuff also I, I, I started. Uh, one of my assistant coaches my first year as a head coach was a guy named J.D. Byers. So that's another guy you have to talk to. He's now the top assistant of VCU. Um, but he was my assistant, and he, he taught me a lot. That's, that's one thing. I used to love getting assistant coaches that teach you different, different ways of doing stuff, you know, and, and that, that, was, that, was, that was fun. I liked that, you know. Just did, you have, ideas, you know. did you have another game you wanted to tell us about, Coach? Because you said you might have a couple. Oh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, the, the game against Levval, uh, we were playing Andy Panko. You brought up his name before. Um, we were playing them. Uh, like I said to you, they're number one team in the country. They came into our gym. I was sister coach at the time, and we were good. Built, we were good. I mean, we were. Uh, I think we were at the time. I think we were like make 10 and two and they were 12 and 0. So it was, it was a great game. And uh, they came in the gym and I, uh, we did the same thing as a football team. It was like, Hey guys, like, let's get on. And they abused Andy Panko. They every like, there was one of those, every time we touched the ball, they would scream his name. And they were like, you know, one, two, they dribble. And they just got into his head, you know, and we had another, we had a good, uh, Another Burton County kid, Damon Tudelik from uh, uh, Woodridge, he guarded Andy Panko. And uh, 
that game was a game that he 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 uh we we held him we held him he he just scored 52 points the game before and that game we we held him to 17 and that it was a really good defensive game uh the guy it was such a great feeling when everyone's on the same page and uh, that game went back and forth and it's same thing at the end of the game okay so we're it's we're up three and they have the ball in their hands and our coach Kindle at the time coach Sullivan and myself we're we're telling these don't foul let them let just get the rebound don't foul don't foul or don't foul a jump shooter that's what we were kind of saying they went to the basket, maybe we would foul, but not not the uh, three point shot. Or what does a kid do? Foul. Kid foul the foul. The kid shooting the three gets to the foul line. The place exact how it was against True. The place is going absolutely bananas. He threw two air balls up, <laughs> and then he missed it. Got the rebound. And the game was over. We ended up winning by three. So, you know, it, it's as my father would say. He goes. Shooting a foul shot at the end of a game when a place is going crazy, that's not easy to do. <laughs> and for those so you got he'd always make fun of the guys who like play golf. And, you know, you you know, yeah, you, you tap in and you gotta be quiet. You know, it's 10 feet away and you're going crazy. So <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Well, you're talking to two big golfers here, coach. So. Oh, I love golf. I'll play all the time. You gotta be quiet though. <laughs> Just for those who don't know, and I know Brian's probably wondered, we mentioned Andy Panko a couple of times. Andy Panko is one of the best D3 players of all time. Would that be – he played He played in the NBA for a year with the Atlanta Hawks. I'm just looking here. I found his Wikipedia. He was two-time Division Three National Player of the Year. He was the uh, MVP of the CBA in 2003. I mean, he was a Division One player playing in Division Three. He was – his would thing went Andy. This was I remember the I remember when Brad McAllister's at Love Val told me about this kid. He's like Scottie Pippen. He was 6'1, 6'2, good player. And it, he sprouted between his freshman and sophomore year and became 6'8. Hmm. So he went from 6'1, 6'2 to 6'8. And that's why he's a he was a three-man 6'8. And division three, that's that's unheard of. <laughs> And he probably would have transferred up, you know, now how guys are transferring now. Yeah, now nowadays, yeah. He, he, came in, he came into York's gym and schooled our team twice in the, in the four years I was there. Yeah, he was I – mean, he, he – regular. I, I, I scouted him against uh, Franklin and Marshall right before that game, and he, he dropped in 48. He had 48. But Franklin Marshall, I think – I think they beat Franklin Marshall, though. But, uh, Franklin and Marshall, who uh, we had Coach Nick Nache on episode okay. 76. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. He's, uh, well, back then, it was the big dog with Len Robinson. Was right, it was Coach Robinson, absolutely. We obviously talked about him a lot on the episode that we had Nick on. Yeah, yeah. That's why, I mean, I don't, I'm not going back to the same thing, man. We I coached against Jerry Matthews and Jose Rabinda. These guys, they won uh, Mark Carino, Colwell. I mean, you guys talk with Jim. These guys won five, six hundred games. Like there are great coaches all over this land, Coach. Oh, it's not just Dean Smith and Bobby Knight and Jim yeah. Beheim and no, no, no. Yeah. I, I'll give you this one. I'm not throw it out there. I mean, it's it's easy. E or I say easier 
to Coach K to win because there's 10 games given to him every year. I mean, I and he'll be the first one to tell you. There's 10 games that he knows he's gonna win, you know, you know, like but there's no ten, there's no gimmies in division three. <laughs> you know, you have to win every game, you know. So I mean it's it's not easy to do. And one thing that keeps coming up too is just how hard everybody's working, whether it's division one, division two, II, division three, NAIA, whatever, uh, how hard everybody's working just to win one game, <laughs> just one game. Right. And, and it's just... I mean, I, you know, I, I, I had a lot more hair when I first started. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, like you're always feeling like you, if you didn't watch that game film one more time, like you feel like you're not prepared enough. You know? Right. And right. I would always bust my, do we have another film on it? Do we have another film? Yeah, coach. We, you watch four other games. You've seen it up. We broke it down for you. Was well, there another one? I mean, the, I, I don't want to get beat on a, a, a like I, another big thing is I never want to be not prepared for what the, what the other team's going to say. I want my guys to know what they're going to say. You know, they, I don't want them to be confused or anything when they came into the game. So I won't go into the whole story, coach, but one time I had to drive from Columbia, South Carolina to Murfreesboro, Tennessee to get a single tape and drive back in the same day. It's about I, a seven and a half hour drive. I could see that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you. I, I like, I, I, uh, driven to New York. I remember driving. I had to, I had to watch a game film at Seat Hall and drive to the city later that night, and I stuck in a tunnel for four hours. It was brutal. So yeah, I've been there. It's crazy. It's crazy because you always feel like you need to be prepared as much as you can. So how did you do that, Coach? Because I'm, I'm one of the things that I, you know, JV level is a little bit different, so we didn't have a whole lot of game tape, but I did do my best to prep guys a little bit, but I, knowing that uh, they're 15, 16 years old, so they can only retain a, so much. So how did you make that decision on how much you were giving your guys and how often were you giving that information to them to get them prepared for, for your game? Well, the one thing what we did was we always broke the game film. I would have watched enough game film where, all right, that team, and I would write it down, like, all right, that that set they ran or that play they ran, they they ran it like seven out of they seven times in the first half or four times uh in the second half. I would show that play each clip I would show that that'd be like three. That'd be like three. I, I show that clip three times. But I wouldn't show, I wouldn't be more than I can't be more than between eight to ten minutes. You know, eight to ten minutes, that was it. You know, because like you said, guys, guys we lose. You know, they would lose, you know, they, 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 they get confused. So we would always try to be, all right, here's, here's five, five sets or five like offense to like to run. I would always show one or two defenses with the like to like to play. I would definitely show an out of bounds play. I would definitely show at least two or three out unders and side outs. Um, you might, I, you know, like I remember I, Kings and 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 uh, Scranton. I coached against those guys for so long. I kind of knew what they were. That that's one thing. You know, being in the league for such a long time, and you Scott Colville at the sales, and you know JP and Draco Kings. I pl- I coached against them for so long that I would also know some of the tendencies they would have that I would always you know show. Um, and they know all my tendencies too, so that's why I was close. But I would always try to keep it to like eight eight minutes, nothing more than that. Because they'll, they'll lose, they'll lose. But I would always show it on the floor too. I would always show it on the uh, in the in the classroom, go on the floor. Then I would do the same thing the day of a game. So the day before a game and day 
of the game. So you don't think you guys don't have, you know, JV basketball, you know, you don't have a shoot around without, I would always do a shoot around a walkthrough and stuff. So mm-hmm. That's one thing we did have was time. It's, it's hard to, on the high school level to, to figure out, you know, on the college level, it's hard to figure out on the high school level, like how much information you give them, how much you walk through. And, and then of course the one play you don't, you know, walk through or whatever is the play that they beat you on. And oh, yeah. When I was in a when I was a freshman coach at Creskill and I was in charge of scouting, there was a kid. His three point stats were decent, and we knew that. But I scouted him twice and didn't see him hit the rim in two games. Yeah. And of course, he comes out and he bangs his first two threes. And the coach looks at me and goes, "I thought you said he couldn't shoot." I'm just telling you, I saw two games and he didn't hit the rim. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm going to give you one. We're playing John Hopkins, okay, in the NCAA tournament. I did the scouting report. I mean, I, I, you know, the one thing in NCAA tournament, you, I didn't, we, we never played against John Hopkins during the year. So I'm getting it for the first time, seeing it for the first time. I never saw him live. There were eight guys that were, you know, that I saw that scored. And one guy scored, literally scored 0.4 points a, for the year. Like he was, his average was 0.4, or whatever, 0.5. He scored 15 points all year. He went and hit four threes against, and and then the Coach Kendall turned to me and he goes, "That's some scouting report you got." I'm like, "What am I supposed to do? Look at the, 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 the score. Look at this. Look exactly what you said. He didn't. He couldn't. I never saw him shoot. He was terrible." Just <laughs> say, uh, "Who was uh, I'm trying to think? Who was assistant coach at the time? There's a guy that I knew was assistant coach at the time. Go. That's the only the only game that kid ever played well in. Yeah." It. <laughs> and they beat us. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, coach, we like to end here on a fun question. I think we're gonna get a good answer here. If I asked kids that played for you 15, 20 years ago, kids that played for you a couple years ago, and I asked them, what's the one thing Coach Marion says all the time in practice? What is that one thing? That one uh, I, I feel like it could be an entertaining one here. I'm gearing up. <laughs> I guarantee you, I would say I didn't lose. I didn't look. They would give me dirty looks. I guarantee you. I would make them run, and we we run shell shell any kind of any kind of competition in practice, and the other you would lose, and I would make them run. So that was part of the deal. So they they would look at me like always give me a dirty look, always give me a dirty look, and I would go, I didn't lose, I didn't lose. Start running harder, like win, and I I started doing that. I. And if I remember correctly, a couple years ago at an alumni game, I think a bunch of my guys started yelling at me. I didn't lose. So I guess that was that was one thing they always bring that one up. So <laughs> if you talk to any of my players, they'll be the first ones to say that. Again, I saw yeah. you in the locker room before the game with my question earlier. And now I can just see you at practice. And now I can see those player, former players at that alumni game coming oh, yeah. up. Cause I didn't lose. I didn't lose. I didn't lose. I, lose. I, they, I would give them a look. Cause they would just annoy me like that, that, that look of the dirty look of like, Hey, I wasn't a guy that didn't gave up a basket or I wasn't a guy that didn't close out. Right. You did it. So guess what? Go back to my first thing. I always said, you're accountable for what you do. If you don't defend, you're going to run. And that was that was our thing, you know, and it, and I they, those guys would always take that to heart. I would hope so. 
Well, I think the running is is a is a great thing. Uh, I don't know if it's around as as much as it used to be, but in episode fifty nine, I don't think Coach Barry Sanderson brought it up. But I remember he he was talking when I first got to Ridgeview as a coach. He said, hey, "Brian, they they listen with their legs." And uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. I like that. You, know, you got to speak their language, and uh, I can like I said, I can just see those guys turning. I didn't lose. I didn't lose. I don't. I don't want to run. I don't want to run. But yeah. like I say, just hold them accountable teaching them those lessons and uh that's that's what it's all about but coach this has been this has been a hoot we i think i think first of all you, again you've been hired as our our show booker so thank you for that we're excited to have you on board for that yeah, I'll, I'll see what i can do yeah and uh we'll have to have you back maybe for some of those guests that you uh that you bring on with us but this, this has been a lot of fun we appreciate you coming on yeah, i really appreciate it. it was a lot of fun i mean i could talk i could talk hoops if you have, really if you really want a show you get John, Mike, uh, Joe, Scott, myself, and Dave Ferrari. Four of us. We could talk. We could talk hoops all night. So <laughs> let's, let's hook it up. We'll uh, we, we can make that happen, and maybe yeah. maybe that would be the first episode we've been talking about doing a Patreon for months, and maybe that could be the one that we'd make uh, make folks pay for. So some highly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, my mother. My mother's the only one who subscribed. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But, uh, well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest 